This is the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast. So for me, adding value takes a lot of different faces, okay? It can be with creating content. It can be with just engaging with other people's content because that creates a tremendous amount of value for them. And it actually, you know, you people see you as, as someone who is caring, someone who's helping others, and they see you and they you're recognized. You're listening to the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss tangible tips, tricks, and best practices for becoming financially free. The show is designed for people who want to either start real estate investing or for those who want to scale their real estate business. What's going on, everyone? This is Jonathan Farber, your host of the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast. I hope you're all well and healthy. For any first-time listeners, thanks for being here. The goal of this show is to explore ways to become financially free through real estate or to increase passive cash flow through real estate. A little background on myself, I work in corporate America at a software company and my side hustle is real estate. I currently own eight rental units and looking to add more this spring. I have house hacked, bird, flipped, and done short-term rentals to name a few strategies. My current focus is 20 to 30 unit apartment buildings in Ohio and Kentucky. I love to network and learn. So if you'd like to connect further, feel free to find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or BiggerPockets. What's up, guys? Got a really great episode today with Yona Weiss. Yona does his business out of New York. And we first connected on LinkedIn, actually, through a few mutual friends in real estate and social media in general. Uh, Because I kept seeing him at the top of the LinkedIn feed. He was popping up and creating awesome content, engaging uh, with other people's content all the time, and just seemed to really be cultivating a lot of attention. And then he started hosting webinars and now a podcast. And it's been really cool to see him grow. But uh, we'll get into that as the theme of today's episode. But his business has really thrived during coronavirus and just uh, on the internet in general, running through kind of this webinar, attention gathering, networking and um, digital content creation strategy that we talk about. So that was the main uh, theme of the episode. Uh, A little bit more background on Yona. He has been in the real estate business for about uh, five years or so. He was kind of uh, looking to do it before he officially did it and he he tinkered around for a little while. But um, the the niche that he plays in is cost segregation which is around saving income tax. Now I know a lot of you guys, your eyes might've just glazed over That's what happened to me uh, for a long time hearing this type of stuff. So um, basically what he talks about is how real estate investors and investors in pretty much any space can save money with this tax strategy. Um, There are certain thresholds. It does apply mostly to people that are, let's say, uh, looking at assets over 500,000. But uh, there's a lot of amazing things that he could walk you through or his company can show you um, of how you might be able to save money based on your situation or save tax based on your situation. But for those that are just starting out, I know that's not so top of mind for you. So that's not the theme of today's episode. That is a small portion of today's episode that I was just curious about because I'd heard the term a lot and I wanted to hear it explained from someone that's a true expert in it and how they would explain it to like a four-year-old or their grandma. And that's what I asked him to do. And he did a great job explaining that. And now it's something that uh, depending on my situation, I'll consult with him on. But the theme and most time spent on this episode was around branding and social media which I know might resonate with more of you guys that are trying to build your either side hustle or grow your brand or grow your full-time real estate business and how you can reach more people and grow your awareness and have people know you. That's a common theme of a lot of these episodes and shows that 
you don't need to know that many people, but if a lot of people know you, you'd be amazed how many leads can come through the door and how much easier sales becomes. So that's the main theme of today's episode. We go through his LinkedIn strategies, which is the platform that he has doubled down on and where he conducts most of his social media business and his networking. And he goes through the tactics and how he got started with that and how you guys can get started with that. Uh, I was taking a lot of notes and that's something that uh, I'll be applying and directing as I transition a little bit more out of Facebook and onto LinkedIn, which is like a phase two of my social media strategy. So that was the uh, general theme of the episode and the main learning from the episode. Today's tangible tip is subject lines of emails uh, with the people that either work for you or work with you. And I know this is a little harder if you work in a corporate job and you can't necessarily dictate strategy if it's maybe already something that your manager or company kind of mandates, but we have found it to be really productive and helpful when we are emailing. We're using Slack as our main channel communication these days with our virtual team and then just the people that we work with locally. But something we've found to be a huge time-saving and organizational tip is using a company-wide or a business-wide email, um, let's say hygiene strategy and subject line strategy, where if you are talking about a specific topic, that is what you need to put in the subject line of basically the date, the topic, who's involved, and stick to that. And if you have another question that is not related to that, it does not go on that email thread. And if it does, you're just gonna be starting something that is distracting everyone from what we're trying to accomplish with that. And so for that reason, we're trying to silo out our lines of communication um, to make things easier to find and easier to help move along when we're stuck on something. So I'm sure we've all had it. You're looking for something or you're searching your, your inbox and you're just not sure where it is or you're not sure what form of communication uh, you were talking to that person on. So these are some tips that we're trying to put in place of how to make it easier to organize when you are talking to someone on a specific platform and what platforms you're only going to talk about certain things about. So like for us, we talk about most of our business topics on Slack and email and for anything personal or more or less like a lighter topic, that's just a quick to do that um, may be related to one of these topics, but it's not like a true big block or it's not important information. It's more just a question to move something along that can be on text. But if there's something we know we might have to search for or information we're going to reference later, we want to keep that on email or Slack primarily. And then we can put it in different buckets after that. So a little bit of a longer tangible tip today, but really helpful if you're trying to stay organized in such a highly communicative world. I don't even know if that's a word, but you could talk to someone on 20 platforms in one day and it's really hard to know uh, how and where all that information is stored. So these are some things that we're using to get better with it and try to stay more organized. So that is on par with today's episode of digital communication. So let's get into an awesome episode today with Yona Weiss. All right, Yona, what's going on? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Awesome. It's my pleasure, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, I'm excited to have, have you on here today. And I feel like I know you, but that's something that I'm sure you get a lot just based on your social media presence. And I mean, I have that from time to time running a podcast and the Facebook group, but you've done such a good job with branding and content creation um, in such a saturated space to begin with, but you've found a way to carve out a niche for yourself where I, even my, my friends, my followers, my family, like I'd say, would probably say the same thing. I feel like I know you. So we'll definitely get into that because this episode, I'm sure I'll have a big branding and marketing flavor to it. 
Um, but before we do, would you mind just giving a quick background of who you are, how you got into this business and what you do today? Sure. Uh, and again, thank you for having me. It's a, it really is a pleasure doing this. One of my, one of my greatest pleasures actually, uh, daily pleasures almost is, is doing podcasts with other people. So uh, a little bit about me, uh, actually have, you know, just a little bit, we're not going to get into the, the whole nine yards, but I was basically a teacher for about 15 years uh, before I got into real estate and I found real estate. I mean, and that's really my passion, really what it comes down to. And I love people. I love networking. I've always been like an kind of outro, you know, outro, is that a word? Outrovert? No, it's the opposite of introvert. What's the you know, opposite of introvert? Extrovert. Extrovert. <laughs> I like it though. It should. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much uh, what I've done, which, which has obviously helped with the, uh, you know, with the social media you're just putting out there. I got into real estate about five years ago, just trying to get my feet wet in something new. I really just wanted to try different things and, and found real estate because a lot of friends of mine were involved in different ways. And I just kind of jumped in like literally head first. I was like, okay, let's see what I can do with this and found different ways to kind of make a living with, within real estate with the ultimate goal of really, you know, investing and owning real estate. But I felt like I really need to learn a lot before I got there. And I made a lot of mistakes along the way. Uh, long story short, uh, you know, a few years ago, I got involved with this company, Madison Commercial Real Estate Services, which is a company I work for now the past three years, which we do a lot of different things, uh, a lot of different services. But the main thing that I focus on is cost segregation. So that's where we're actually the biggest national company that does cost segregation. It's a really unique kind of tax specialized niche service, right? That helps people save income tax, uh, property owners save income tax. So that's, that's what I've done. And through that, I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. I got into, you know, involved through, through LinkedIn, based, mainly from LinkedIn and then kind of branched out to some other platforms from there, um, kind of built a tremendous following and uh, created this, this kind of brand, which is just really about helping people. Mm -hmm. Seriously, it's awesome, man. Um, I just, it, it warms me up just thinking about it. So uh, for those that don't know, is this is a little bit more of a beginner audience who I would say the, the majority listener here is maybe in one to 10 units or deals, mostly single family, small multi wholesalers and short-term renters. But a lot of them are thinking about making the transition into larger multifamily, maybe commercial, and maybe they've seen or heard the word cost segregation. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of things that sound scary and maybe a little complicated, then they just don't look into it and decide, hey, I'm not going to need that or think about it. So for those that don't know what that, that term means, could you give a high level overview um, of how you think about it and what most people come to you for, for what they need to know about it? Absolutely. A pretty high level overview is it's an income tax deduction a service for uh, property owners. So really what that means is really like an advanced form of depreciation. And, and really what depreciation is, is a tax deduction the IRS gives you just because you own a property. So you buy a property, you now get to have this extra special tax deduction, income tax write-off called depreciation. That's, that's really what it is, which believe it or not, doesn't really make much sense from, you know, an economical standpoint. Why would the federal government give such benefits? That's a discussion into itself. But what I've found is that majority of people don't even know what the next level is of 
depreciation, which is conservation, which actually is the correct form of depreciating your property. Essentially, when you buy a property, you're allowed to take that as a write-off over a 27 and a half year period, right? Or for commercial property, that's residential, commercial is 39 year period. But what we don't know is that there's actually different components in the building that quote unquote depreciate at a faster rate, meaning you can take the value of those things as a write-off at a much faster rate. Okay. So for example, the structure of the building really depreciates on a 27 and a half year schedule. So the value of the walls and roof and doors and windows and, you know, floor that structure that you have to take as a tax write off over that long period of time. So a little bit every single year, but stuff like furniture and appliances, cabinets, carpeting, fixtures, all these things, and many more depreciate on a five year schedule, which means we can identify the value. And this is really the process of conservation is an engineer coming and identifying the value of all of those components and then taking that value, which can be a significant amount, you know, 20, 30% sometimes in a multifamily property and take that as a tax writer for a five year period. So essentially what we're doing is front loading a lot of these deductions, taking advantage of them, lowering our taxable uh, tax liability, which thereby increases our cash flow. So it's a, it's a great strategy to, to basically make money in real estate and not pay taxes on it. Is there a specific time that someone should be thinking about this more in the cycle when they're buying, when they're operating or when they're selling, or is any time a good time to think about this? The, the best time really is, is at the beginning of the cycle um, so that you can take advantage of those tax deductions as soon as possible. Because um, really the whole, the game of it, and I say a game because real estate, you know, is really a game, you know, and the tax strategy is a big part of it. So to use the deductions from your property, you know, as soon as you can, that's really the best time to do it. However, obviously it's, it depends. And that's the real answer, right? It's going to depend on their, you know, situation, your specific strategy, how long you're holding the building for, how, uh, you know, how many other properties do you own? How are you planning on buying, et cetera? But again, this is a strategy to increase your cash flow, pay little to no taxes, and thereby use that money to reinvest. Is there a sweet spot deal size or type of deal that this works best for? And another way to phrase that would maybe be someone listening, wondering, this sounds amazing. Can I do this? Does my yeah. deal qualify for this? How do I know? How can I know quickly without maybe calling Yona and wasting his time on a deal that's too small or too big maybe, or just doesn't play in this space? So how should someone think about that? So any property besides for your personal residence is usually, uh, you can take advantage of it. So it doesn't matter if it's an investment property, business property. The, the rule of thumb I like to use is um, any purchase price over a half a million dollars usually is like at that point, it's like a no brainer. There's so much benefit there because what we're doing is we're taking a percentage of the value, the purchase price, and that percentage, we're going to accelerate the depreciation, take that at a faster rate. Okay. So that's why I say $500,000 because you're looking at maybe even if it's 10% of that, so $50,000 at a faster rate, it's going to make sense. There's a fee involved for sure. So it's always going to be how much you're paying to get this done and then what's my tax benefit going to be after the fact that's really where where it comes into play in terms of what type of property like i said any type of property but each you know different types of property are going to have different levels of benefits so for example uh, a warehouse for right 
will have a lot of times very little personal property inside of it, little besides the actual structure. So there's going to be a lot less benefit on that as opposed to, you know, a multifamily property where there's a lot of personal property or other types like hotels or, you know, assisted living facilities, retail, mm -hmm. all, all other types of properties that are going to have a lot more of these faster depreciation. Sure. The next natural question would then be, why isn't everyone doing this or is it expensive? Two questions actually. So mm -hmm. if you could knock those out. Yeah. You know, I get this all the time and it's like after sitting down and talking with someone and explaining to them all the ins and outs, you know, and answering all the questions and then talking about, you know, the, the potential downsides as well. It's like, well, why would I not do this? Like, I still don't understand like, why should I not do this? And, and that, the truth is, there is very little reason not to do it. Uh, okay. Again, it may not make sense for a very small deal. You may not get a lot of benefit for it, mm -hmm. but as long as your property is over that, that threshold, it usually there's almost no reason unless you're doing a quick flip and then you're not, you're going to have the tax benefits immediately, but then you're going to have a tax on them you know, on the sale of a property, there's, there's very little reason to, to not do it. Got it. And just before we move on, I really want to flesh this out because people are listening to this and might be wondering, so what would their next step be if they want to consider doing this? Is there any way that they could know if it would qualify or not, not to flood you with, but I mean, sure. this is always good, but like, what would their next step be to know? Yeah, absolutely. The easiest step is we actually provide a free a service for anyone, which is we'll do run the numbers uh, mm -hmm. for free. So you'll know ahead of time what it will cost, what, um, the tax benefits will be by doing a full consideration study. And that literally is like, there's no, there's almost no reason not to get that, you know, like, so you can reach out to me. You can actually go to my website. I have a, a form to fill out to just get that, you know, it kind of gets that, uh, get that ball rolling. And then it's a discussion that you have to have with your accountant. Okay. Mm -hmm. You have to understand, is this something that I should be doing? Will this fit with my tax strategy? But don't be surprised if your accountant doesn't even know about this. And this is that was my probably, next question. Like, okay. do you need the accountant? Do you need just someone from your side of the house? Like who knows, you know, because I think people, again, listening to this are wondering, right, it sounds too good to be true. Who else do I need to consult or should I consult that knows about this? And it kind of, to me, just sounds like something that it's a great thing, just doesn't have enough awareness around it. Yeah. And it's, it's true. It does not have enough awareness about, it, which is why, you know, why we're talking about it today. So people can learn about it. But the truth of the matter is one of the reasons why a lot of people don't know about it is because even though it's an accounting method, okay, we're accelerating depreciation and this is talking about tax deductions, but it's an actual engineering process. So you have firms like ours, Madison Specs, that we are, we have engineers, and accountants in-house. We're not an accounting firm because the majority of accounting firms do not do cost variation. I'd say 95% of the accounting firms in the country, you know, excluding the, the very big companies do not do, cannot do cost variation because you need that engineering component to it. So that being said, accountants, a lot of times are just not proactive enough, especially if they're not real estate focused accountants. Mm -hmm. They're not proactive enough to tell you about this. Uh, either because they don't know about it or just because they can't do it. And then they go have to go and find a third party firm to do it like us. And it just may not be worth their while. They're not necessarily a lot of accountants are not in the business of, of doing you every favor you can. A lot of times they're just worried about punching the numbers. Unfortunately, um, big difference between a tax advisor and, uh, and an accountant. Fascinating. 
All right, Yona, you mind if we move to a different topic that I had teed up? Um, I'd call it an area of expertise for you, and it's around social media and branding. Yeah. Um, what you have done on LinkedIn, uh, like I said before, I don't remember if it was before we recorded or after, but there's only maybe a handful of people that I'm seeing consistently popping up at the top of a LinkedIn feed, creating good content, building community, and actually bringing value to people in a non-salesy way that is in return then leading to business, which I know it is yeah. for you, um, which, is, which is just incredible. And it's kind of more the approach that people are knowing you instead of you having to know all these separate people, which is just not scalable. So um, I do have specific questions, but I'd love to just hear exactly how you got started with it and what you knew about it before um, that has now grown into what it is today. It's really a learning process, and, and that's the truth. And because I'm a, you know, a teacher at heart and a, and a student at heart, really every good teacher is, is an excellent student because you're always trying to learn more so you can, you can share more and teach more. So I'm, I'm literally just learning so much all the time, and it's grown, upon this, it's grown upon itself. So when I first found LinkedIn, really, when I first like came upon or stumbled upon it, I should say, or re-stumbled upon it because I've had an account for like 10 years, but it used to be just like a platform for resumes and finding a job and recruiters and all that stuff, right? A few years ago, it turned into more of a kind of competition in a way for, for Facebook and that it was more like about social media and social networking and content creation. So I, I started to see people creating content mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, well, what's the, maybe I'll try this, maybe see, you know, where it comes from it. And I saw people creating content and then, you know, I stumbled upon this guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, I'm sure you heard of, right? And, and he talks a lot about using social media for sales, but not to be a salesperson, meaning not to push sales, but more about just creating content, adding value, caring about people. I'm like, well, that makes tons of sense, right? And educating people is what I love to do anyway. So like, oh, let's just create content, let's educate people. And people started reaching out to me like, oh, this is great. I was actually looking for a conservation study or like, oh, you want to come on my podcast? And it's just like kind of snowballed. But it really was a learning process, but I committed, and I think that's the key. I committed to being consistent in number one, just being consistent with creating content on a daily basis. And mm -hmm. number two, adding value wherever I could. So for me, adding value takes a lot of different faces. Okay. It can be with creating content. It can be with just engaging with other people's content because that creates a tremendous amount of value for them. And it, actually, you know, you, people see you as, as someone who is caring, someone who's helping others and they see you and they, you're recognized. So, so you mentioned that, you know, you see me all the time on LinkedIn. I guarantee you, you don't just see my content. You probably see my name that I commented on this, or I like this or whatever. And that's the incredible thing about the algorithm is that the more active you are, the more you're going to be seen all the time uh, by your activity, not mm -hmm. necessarily by your own uh, original content. So there's a lot of layers to that. Um, and then, and then the connections as well, just making connections with other people and then connecting others one to another. So that's something I love doing and it's, a, it brings a lot of value. So like anything in life, there's, and I love what you said about experimenting and growth mindset and constant learning. Cause I definitely resonate more with that than just going at one path and, and not deviating. But with that, I also, as I'm sure you may, from having a growth mindset, I struggle with the 
the wanting to learn other tools and strategies versus going all in with one and becoming great at one. So I'm curious if you've struggled with this, if you've tinkered with Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, there's so many things you could be doing, but you've definitely built a community and a path on one. But again, the struggle of a growth mindset, you, I'm sure you see opportunity in the others. How do you balance that? Or how do you think about that? Or what advice do you have for someone that's maybe in the same place wondering which platform should I go in on? And then should I go all in on one or should I try to spread it out over a couple? So I'd love to hear you think about that. I think you really have to focus on one in order to be successful. Uh, once you're really successful at one, then you, you know, it's a good idea to branch out to, to others because it will kind of, it'll trickle and have a trickle effect. Meaning the majority of people that I'm connected with on, on Facebook or Instagram, which I recently literally am not very active on at all, but just started with, but people recognize me from, from, from LinkedIn or from, uh, you know, or one from the other. So it, it definitely has that, but you have to really establish yourself. And I know Gary Vaynerchuk, he's like, you gotta go all in, you gotta do everything. But again, he's also has a whole team working for him. And if you have a team helping you to create content and being not just creating it, but being engaging on, it's a whole different story, right? Mm -hmm. If you're on your own, you just gotta focus on being consistent at one thing. And I highly recommend LinkedIn especially for business more than anything else because for, for really a few reasons, but the two main reasons are number one, the, um, you know, the organic reach, which means that, you know, if done right, you can actually reach people will see you. And really that's what it's all about, right? The people seeing you and creating that brand, knowing who you are, what you do, people will see you so much more, because of the organic reach that you can get seen by so many other people than, than any other platform that I know of. Uh, meaning you don't have to pay for ads to, to do it. You can do it successfully just by creating your original content, engaging with other people's content. So that's number one. The second reason is, is because it's a professional platform and if you're doing it for business, you cut out a lot of the junk, you, know, you cut out a lot of the noise and there's plenty of it. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of it on LinkedIn, but it's easier to, to, to kind of filter out or to just ignore because you're not constantly being bombarded and people conduct themselves in a much more professional way. So I like to look at, you know, LinkedIn is like going to a professional networking event. You go to a conference, a business conference, people act differently than if you're just going to hang out with your friends at the beach or at a bar or whatever. Sure. Absolutely. Really good point. It's a different group of people for sure. Um, for someone that's listening right now and they, they're going to maybe pause this episode or they're going to try to take some action literally right after this episode. They're like, I resonate with this. I'm good at it. I don't necessarily like sales. I'd rather do marketing, which is kind of how I think about it. And I think it's just a smarter strategy. Um, so, so they, they resonate with it and they want to get started with it. And they may have a LinkedIn that they're, they don't have much on, or maybe they're right. on it and using it like most people actually, which is like, just consuming mm -hmm. and maybe posting an, an occasional white paper about their company, which I just always shake my head at. Um, what advice, tactical, actionable, something they could do today, do you have for someone that's looking to get started and start growing their brand? Yeah, a few actionable things you can do. First of all, what you should do is you should go to Google and type your name into Google and see what comes up. Okay. Now you'll do that you come back to push pause, right? Do that. Now that you're back and you found your results, I guarantee you, if you have a LinkedIn profile, 
then your name, unless your name is like very, very common name, then your LinkedIn profile will be probably on the first page of Google results, if not at the top or close to the top, which, which tells me, and I've said this many times before, but it tells me that that just shows you the power of, of LinkedIn. And when anyone's going to want to do business with you, they're going to want to like whatever they do, they're going to Google your name. That's just the nature of people that like, who is this guy? Like he reached out to me for this, or maybe I want to partner with him. I want to invest with him. They're going to Google your name. Okay. What comes up? So if your brand, if you have a good profile and that profile, you know, is professional looking and tells people not just who you are and what you do, but also how you can help them, then that will be very powerful for anyone who Googles that and clicks on that LinkedIn, which is what they're going to do. I know because I used to do that. That's really how I found LinkedIn is because I was Googling people for sales, trying to find contact information, trying to find people. And I found their LinkedIn page like, oh yeah, this is the guy. But people are going to do that, which means you got to up your profile. So you can actually, I have like a free tool if you want um, on my website, yonawice.com. You can find a, a, a download, you, you know, uh, which is a way to optimize your profile. Just kind of free tool that I put together just to to show you how to optimize your LinkedIn profile. I'm not a LinkedIn's, you know, coach. I don't do any sale training for LinkedIn. I'm not trying to sell you anything, but you just have to, you have to know that it's so powerful. That's the first thing. The second mm -hmm. thing would be is watch, right? Spend time consuming content on it, other people, and then start by um, commenting, leaving thoughtful comments on other people's posts strategically. So meaning those people that you might want to connect with, you're right. You can leave comments on their posts. Uh, you're scrolling through your feeds and you'll see people outside of your network because you're going to see other people you connect with who they're commenting on. And you can even search, you use the search bar and LinkedIn is pretty good. You can search by industry, you can search different topics, etc. Um, so, so do that, consume content and then engage with other people's content. And then when you're ready to start creating your own, uh, you know, there's, there's ways to go about doing that as well, but we can't, I can't tell you too much. <laughs> no, but that's so good. I've heard you talk about this and now being someone that's putting out more content, it is funny how, um, you know, someone interacting with what you do, either commenting or liking or showing support. Um, I mean, one, it makes a difference and it also shows that this person is taking some sort of interest in you. And also if it's something you've just talked about and now they're asking you questions about it, that yeah. as if they had no clue, it's just, it, it, there's a lot of dynamics in play there. Absolutely. Um, but for sure, I think that's one of the best ways that like, if you want support on your contact, it's like the, the law of reciprocity, Robert Cialdini. Like if you want interaction on yours, like you should expect to do the same for other people as well. You know, like it's just the law of like, you know, reciprocity. So I think it's really interesting. And I think that's something that most people wouldn't even think about when they're starting. They're just like, all right, I'm going to start posting. Right. And then it's, it's no research is done. They're not thinking about what their ideal uh, audience is looking for. And they've never contacted or interacted with anyone else's stuff. So it's just like, they try it for maybe a week. They say this sucks, this doesn't work. And then they just move on to something else. So yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, in the end of the day, it's, it's people. That's really what it's all about. It's making the right connections and, you know, making the right relationships with the, the right people. And so I don't say that lightly because that's really what it's about. So you have to be mindful 
of who you're talking to, what you, you know, think about this. If someone reaches out to you, right? Let's say you just posted like, um, you know, you posted this podcast, right? And you posted, you know, a post on LinkedIn that you just did this podcast and you're talking about, about social media and whatever. And so you get a, first of all, you know, people connect and request to you. I don't, I don't, you know, connect with everyone. You know, you can definitely find me there, reach out to me, but put a little note there that says you listen to this podcast, <laughs> but people that connect with you and then immediately sell you like a sales pitch, just forget oh. about it. Like, I don't want to have anything to do with that, but think about it. There's a way to do it. That is so much more, um, you know, strategically uh, done in a way that is accepted, right? If someone comes up to you at a networking event and they're like, just think about it, like, I think LinkedIn, like a networker, that's the, that's the analogy that I mean, when you play it back, it just makes so much sense. And they come up to you and networking event, and they're like, Hey, how you doing? Oh, great. Jonathan, nice to meet you. Hey, you know, I have this great way for you to find leads, you know, for realtors, you are going to love this. And you're like, um, I'm not a realtor though. Oh, oh, sorry. Like what? what do you think about that guy? Right. You think, well, first of all, you feel bad for him, right. Feel a little pity. Like <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing, but like, why would he, he, that's just a waste of my time, waste of his time. He's not doing it right. What if that same guy, right. Um, you know, comes up and he's like, Hey, John, what are you doing? You know? Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a real estate investor. Like, Oh, I actually have a friend who's looking to get in real estate. I'd love to introduce you to them. Okay. Or I have, uh, you know, you're, oh, you're in that in Raleigh. Oh, I know someone in Raleigh. That's a real estate broker. Maybe you should connect with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And you make that introduction. You didn't ask for anything. You didn't do anything. You didn't try to sell them anything, but immediately. And, and the guy is a, a sales guy for leads for realtors. Okay. So you're not gonna, you don't need him for anything, but he's not thinking about just trying to sell you. He's trying to make a relationship, trying to make a friendship and seeing how he can add value to you. Okay. What he doesn't know. And when you're doing this altruistically and you're really doing this to help other people, what ends up happening is like this. Okay. Number one, you'll make a lot of friends. Right. And number two, people are going to start thinking about you and they're like, Oh well, yeah, what do you do? Oh yeah. I, I, I do leads for, you know, for realtors or whatever. And, um, and like, Oh yeah. Hey, by the way, I have this friend or my sister or my cousin or whatever is a realtor. I want to introduce you to them. And so then you get a warm referral which everyone knows that a warm referral is much better than cold outreach. So you've just done yourself a tremendous service by just being a nice guy and being a human and being a person and not just being a sales machine trying to cold outreach the wrong people. Yeah. So good. It just, it seems like common sense, but for some reason, like what we don't like done to us, it's, it's, oftentimes do it to other people. Like it just, it doesn't make sense. But a, a formula that I've tried to ingrain and when I think about networking, but it's exactly what you just described is try to add value before you ask for value. And it's such a better way to start the relationship. Like even when I tell people to reach out to brokers, um, I mean, I didn't come up with this myself. I got it from mentor Joe Fairless. And in his book, the concept just rocked me where he's saying, offer to pay a broker for their time. They won't really accept it. I mean, it's rare that they would accept it. If they do, you know, maybe that'll tell you something about them, but it just right off the bat is showing this person that you value their time yeah. and that you're willing to take them seriously instead of just pump them for information and not be respectful of their time and then just move on, which is the worst way to treat a relationship that you're trying to cultivate for years instead of a maybe a one-time land grab, which you think is actually gonna be what you need right now, which is just not. 
Um, and I love Gary Vee too. So there's so many points that, I mean, he's my, my favorite influencer, my favorite content creator, just because I think he's, he's on the money with so many things that he talks about. But um, yeah, no, there's just, there's just so much good there. So um, one other thing I wanted to talk about just as far as branding and how you're using LinkedIn is, so you have the podcast now and you're also doing webinars. Um, can you talk just quickly about um, how you decided to transition some attention into those areas, why you're doing it, how it's been going, any learnings as you've done it? Because I think people are always trying to figure out strategies and sometimes they don't do them because it's just a high barrier to entry. So um, how, did, how did you think about doing those and what have some of your learnings been as you've jumped in? You know, the podcasting and the webinars came about mostly because I found people didn't understand or didn't know what, what I was doing. And so when any sales conversation or any, you know, potential business conversation was just like, well, it comes with so many questions and questions after questions. It, it's so much easier to do it at scale when you can say, have the same conversation with 10 people or 20 people or 50 people instead of just one person every time. And so that's really where it came about. And so if anyone thinking about it to themselves, well, what do I do? Right. Um, you know, is, is what I do. Uh, are people curious about what, what it is that I do? And uh, do, I, do I need to find myself explaining myself a lot or what I do? Do I find myself having to, you know, answer so many questions all the time? Then a webinar is a great way to kind of get those points across at scale. Okay? So, and then you can share that. You can invite people, you know, to join you. Um, and then what I've done is kind of flipped it which I mean, what I think you're referring to also is that I created this weekly networking event where I invite other people to, to mine. And so it works both ways. I mean, I've been a guest on other people's, you know, groups that they've put together to share what I do on that and webinar. Yeah, I've given my own personal webinar where I invite people, but, but then I created this networking event virtual. So I invite, I find a guest speaker on a different topic and then invite people you know, to come. And then you know, we get a whole group of people that it's educational, people wanna learn. And then you're meeting those same people, right? And you're seeing the same people that you saw on, uh, on Facebook or on Instagram or LinkedIn. And you're like, oh, is it, oh, now I know who you are. I see my face to a name, whatever. And then you get to you know, do those breakout rooms, which are a lot of fun. You get to speak one-on-one with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, Yona, just for the sake of time, man, I feel like we can go on this for, for a long time here. Uh, so helpful though for me for people that are, are listening to this i've been taking a lot of notes throughout the episode um it's just it's really cool to watch so um with all these ways what is the best way for people to either get in touch or follow your content directly uh, or just stay on top of what you're doing i think I, a few of them we said already right linkedin definitely find me there put a little note that you found me from this podcast uh and then uh, like I said, you can go to my website, yonweiss.com. There's a cool little, uh, you know, guide to, you can download to optimize your LinkedIn profile or just find out about my podcast, Weiss Advice, find out about cost irrigation through that as well. And uh, that's, those are two great ways. I'm still, you know, into Instagram and Twitter and that, but, uh, you know, there's very few Yon Weisses in the world. And so that's, that's kind of my name and my brand across, the, <laughs> across all platforms. So easy to find me. Love it. You're unique. And uh, guys, seriously, Yona, he's being very humble, but he's putting out some amazing content and he's getting some great people on his podcast and his weekly meetups, his networking events. He just had Brandon Turner 
uh, on his show, which Brandon is not easy to get. He actually is coming on this podcast, but that is not an easy feat. And um, it's just awesome, seriously, what you're doing and the, the message you're spreading and the community you're building. So I just want to say personally, thank you. And thank you for coming on and uh, best of luck in 2020 and beyond. It's really fun to watch. My pleasure, Jonathan. And, and, you know, let me know how I can help you and, and your two listeners. Don't, don't hesitate to reach out. Listen, it's, it's not uh, happy to help in any way and looking forward to connecting. That's how you know. Seriously, that's how you know, Yona. He, he eats his own dog food, folks. He's offering <laughs> it up right there. Okay. So, Take him up on that and check out his content. Um, I don't say this about every guest by any means for those that listen, um, but I've been following this stuff for a while now. And um, it's just it's just really good community of good people. And I've met a lot of people from the webinars that I've stayed in touch with or had on the show just from connecting with them in your group. So uh, I highly recommend it, guys. So go out, take some action, check out Yona's stuff. Um, don't be intimidated by the word cost segregation. Um, it could save you some money. And um, if not, just just get it in your vocabulary and uh, keep taking action and be great, guys. Have a good one. Hey, you millennial millionaire. Do you want more? Then head to the Millennial Millionaires Through Real Estate Facebook group, where there are tons of step-by-step walkthroughs, tools, templates, and free networking to help you achieve financial freedom through real estate. And if you want Jonathan to help you personally reach your goals, then feel free to set up a one-on-one call in the link below or message him on any social media platform and apply to, well, work with Jonathan.